Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. It is February 16th, 2021. Subject of today's show, none other than the undrafted legend himself, Lamar Stevens. Plenty to say about Stevens. If, you, if you've not watched the Cavs this year and you're kind of listening to this as you're getting up to date with your Cavs podcast, Lamar Stevens was undrafted. He's the second leading scorer in Penn State history. We're going to get to all that, all the specifics, his great career. And he also had a book written about his journey, which several people got to be a part of. Plenty to say on that. But Lamar, and we're going to have a guest, John Stewart, who, when we get there, you'll understand exactly why he's here. He's a basketball expert. But let's start with young Lamar, freshman Lamar Stevens. He's a, he's a Philly guy, went to the Abington Friends School in Philly, right? And that's kind of where it all started for him. There's not much you can find online about his basketball career there, but, you know, he played there, I believe. If he didn't, I would be shocked given what happened after that. So Lamar Stevens heads to Haverford High after that freshman year for the next couple of years. In his two seasons, 2014 and 15, he was third team, then second team honors in the PIAA class quadruple A all state teams. And then heading into the senior years where it starts to get interesting. Lamar Stevens leading the Cahillites to the 2016 PIAA class 4A state championship. And we already know the kid can play. So he's doing this. He already played well in his sophomore and junior years, enough that he wanted to go to a bigger school his senior year to showcase his abilities. He was playing with Nazir Bostic and Tony Carr. You might know the name Tony Carr because he was the last Penn State player drafted at the end of the second round in 2018. And he was only the third Penn State player drafted since 1984, including 1984. One in 84, Calvin Booth in 1999, and then Carr. But Bostic, Carr, and Stevens are playing together. And Lamar Stevens, despite playing with these great players, still the shining star. He was named the 2016 Philadelphia player of the year by daily news. And a lot of great players come from Philly just for, for reference, the likes of Kobe Bryant and Kyle Lowry among the many Philly greats over the years. So for Lamar Stevens to be the state player of the year in a, in a place that produces the NBA talent, it does. That's incredible. First team, all Pennsylvania, according to the PA sports writers honors, all Philadelphia accolades by the Philadelphia Daily News. And he was ranked as the number 100 prospect. I mean, look, everyone wants to talk about the top five and the top 10. But when you're one of the 100 best players in the country in your, in your graduating class, it is a big deal. Because there's only 99 players higher than you. And that also puts a chip on your shoulder thinking you should have been higher. Lamar Stevens was a four-star recruit, according to ESPN and most other uh, sites you can check, but he was, according to Scout, he was a five-star player. He was the number three rated player from Pennsylvania. And Lamar Stevens, so he, he went to Penn State. He stayed at home in Pennsylvania, but he's other schools that were in competition for him include Marquette, Indiana, Temple, Pittsburgh, Villanova, where he could have, could have had a story like Kyle Lowry, Southern Methodist, and Maryland. I believe he would have overlapped Shemi Ojale had he gone to Southern Methodist. That would have been an interesting pairing. But, you know, Omar Stevens was sensational in high school. Plenty of honors, plenty of accolades. And 
the reason we're talking about Lamar Stevens, we're not here to just tell you about another high school athlete. As you know, this is across the Cavs. Talk about news, information, history relating to the organization. And Lamar Stevens is on the team, but he wasn't drafted. So how does a guy that has all this hype comes in with a very loaded Penn State class in 2016. How does he end up in the NBA undrafted? We're going to tell you about that journey. You got plenty to add. There were some great ups, very few downs. Almost helped Penn State do something they hadn't done in a decade. Could have been part of one of the most successful teams in program history. Here to help me break it down is John Stewart. If you don't know who John Stewart is, all you have to do is log into one of my NBA trivia games and go head-to-head. And by the time it's over, you will know exactly who John is because he just destroyed you. Because if you take away uh, our pal Samir Kumar, who is a host over at Blue Wire with the Windmill Slam podcast, John is the next best. And there are some great players. So, John, I'm happy to bring you on to Across the Cavs to talk about Lamar Stevens tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me, Zach. Uh, I was a big, big fan of Lamar's when he was at Penn State. So looking forward to it. Yeah, John is a huge Penn State basketball guy, and uh, pre-COVID, we used to get together. I'd be watching the NBA. The game would hit commercial, and John's like, yo, can we flip to uh, ESPN? Lamar Stevens and Penn State are playing. So, Yep, that's, that's, that was true. That happened a couple of times. It did. It's no joke. I would not have seen any of Penn State had I not been hanging out with John last year, but I'm glad I did, and John, you know, mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Lamar's four years, but I just want to throw out some accolades that he had here because there were so many things he did well. And if the season last year didn't stop, then he would have been the all-time leading scorer. But here's what we have. Lamar Stevens played 135 games at Penn State, started every single one. It's not easy to be a four-year starter, especially given that, you know, he came in with a loaded class. You would have think once or twice, maybe comes off the bench. Nope, started from day one. He was the fastest player, John, in Penn State history to 1,500 points. It took him 97 games. He is one of three players to score 2,000. He's just behind Taylor Battle, who had a great career at the end of the 2000s into the 2010s. Yes. He is one of only three with back-to-back 600-point seasons, you know. And let's start here, John. We'll work our way backwards. Last year's Penn State team was very good, and everyone knew it, right? It's kind of funny that we had Penn State and Rutgers, even though they both had great lineups, truly proving to be very good for the first time in a long time. Yeah. And I have no doubt, I know you don't either, that Penn State, if things didn't stop, March Madness didn't get canceled, could have made a serious run in the tournament. Yes, they were, they were good enough. Uh, they, last year, uh, arguably had their best season in school history. It really can be argued. Um, they went to they went to uh, as high as number nine in the uh, in the AP poll, which was I believe their highest in school history. Uh, they just just right from the start of the season in the non-conference, uh, they they looked like a completely different team from the years before. Uh, for those who don't know, Penn State basketball does not have you know a, a reputation as being a you know a basketball school. Penn State is of course a football school and. More often than not, Penn State's pretty irrelevant in basketball. But uh, last year, spearheaded by Lamar Stevens, who was the the senior leader on the team, he was he was the guy that the rest of the team looked to. And uh, yeah, right from the right from the non conference uh, part of the portion of the season in November and December, Penn State got off to a great start. Uh, before 
the uh, before the Big Ten regular season really got underway, where Penn State continued to prove themselves, uh, one moment really stood out for me, uh, and that was a game against Iowa, uh, which took place at the Palestra, which, uh, for those who don't know, the Palestra is the most historic arena in all of college basketball. It's where uh, the Penn Quakers of the Ivy League play, but it's known throughout college basketball lore as being, you know, the best arena in the country. If you've never been and you're a college basketball fan, you, it has to be on your bucket list. The Palestra in Philly is, um, it's just, it's, you know, historic to put it, you know, to put it simply. And so Penn State every few years uh, plays a home game at the Palestra. And so they were playing Iowa. Uh, it was a close game because Iowa had Luca Garza, who I believe is still there. And is, yeah, Luke Garza you know, is incredible. Who's, he was a monster that game, but um, close game throughout. But Penn State started to pull away late in the second half. And Lamar, uh, I believe on a, a turnover or a steal, took it the length of the court, uh, made a great play, uh, finished the layup, got an ad one. And it, a camera was you know pointing at him and he motioned you know, looked right at the camera and he like, and he said, this is, this is our, this is our effing city. And for, you know, that just kind of encapsulated what Lamar Stevens meant to Penn state last year. Like he knowing, you know, playing that game in Philly at the Palestra, him having played, you know, having grown up in Philly, having played high school basketball in Philly, that game meant so much to him. And for him to have that moment against a really good team, uh, that was the highlight of the year for me. Uh, and just, um, just kind of briefly on the rest of the season, uh, yeah. they, like I said, they got to his highest number nine in the AP poll, which is crazy. Um, their last few games, they did kind of stumble a little bit, uh, which uh, they kind of, I think they lost four of their last five games before um, COVID hit going into the Big Ten tournament. But for sure, the, you know, if they had gotten hot in the Big Ten tournament, going into uh, March Madness where they probably would have been anywhere between I'd say a five to eight seed. Uh, they could have made a run for sure. They just, you know, with, with Lamar, with um, Mike Watkins, uh, Shep Garner, uh, they just said, yeah, they really had a really good team and it, they were fun to watch. So. And the most interesting thing, if you look through Penn state's team last season, 2019, 20, while Lamar Stevens averaged 18 and seven, he averaged better than a steal, better than a block. It was the closest he made to averaging a made three a game, averaging 0.8. They had very good shooters with Miles Dredd, Myrie, and Jones. And what I really want to point to is that they only had two players start every game because they just they experimented with the lineup a lot. Normally, you know, in college basketball, you have your starting five, and that's that. But other than Lamar Stevens and Jamari Wheeler, the other five players that made at least one start kind of shuffled in and out. So the fact that they kind of overcame the lineup changes throughout the year and they got their wins is great. You know, they had rim protection. It just stinks that we didn't get to see them because Lamar was having another good year. And here's the thing that bums me out. I know it does for you, John. Taylor Battle from 07 to 11 was a heck of a talent for Penn State. It's unbelievable. He never got a shot in the NBA after scoring 2,213 points. Although, and then we get Lamar Stevens, who's probably – I don't think there's going to be a debate on this most talented forward in program history. And they've been around a long time. Penn state goes all the way back. If you want to examine their history, 
He yep. was just, he was great. There was nothing he didn't do. You know, I mentioned he was the fastest at 1500. He's the only player in program history to score 30 plus in an NIT tournament, which he helped them win all in, in 2018, you know, and this was probably not going to happen, but John, I'm not sure you knew there's never been a first round pick from Penn state, despite them having eight or I think eight or nine draft picks all time. I, I think I, I did know that. Yeah. Never not that Lamar could have been the closest thing to that for them. Tony Carr, who we mentioned was drafted in 2018 by the Pelicans after playing a couple of years with Lamar. We'll see how his career is going in, in another juncture, but he was six points away from battle. So to not be able to break the, and I know John, this has happened across the NCAA D1, D2, and D3. There were so many guys, and a lot of the schools I was calling games at, guys were gonna, guys and girls alike were gonna break records in a number of categories. They lost that chance because play stopped. But you got to feel for Lamar. They had plenty of games left. They had the conference tournament, no matter what. I think that even though they were at the time fifth in the Big Ten, they would have made a run in the tournament enough so that they would have gotten a non-at-large bid, but, you know, they would have been put in – actually, it would have been an at-large bid because they wouldn't have won the Big Ten. But it stinks that he was that close to getting it, and just yeah. because of the situation that no one could control, he did not get to break the record. Yeah, it really it really did because uh, Lamar really – you could you can make an argument. He's the greatest player in Penn State history. Like, I mean, they won – like, you know, like you mentioned, they won uh, the NIT – in uh in 2018 uh at which the last two games were played at uh, madison square garden and he was him and tony carr were great in that he was named lamar was named uh most outstanding player of the nit um and going back even to his uh to his freshman year just you know the numbers he put up right away just stepping into you know as a true freshman just stepping into uh, a college a d1 college atmosphere putting up uh, close to 13 points a game, five and a half rebounds. Um, and I just continue, continuing to go from there, getting to 15 and a half and 18, 20 a game in 28, 2018, 19 season. And then, you know, really rounding things out his senior, senior year where he averaged almost 18 points a game, seven rebounds a game, but then, uh, had career highs in assists, steals and blocks per game. And, um, you know, what, to me, what Lamar Stevens represented for Penn state was just, just relevance after, you know, Taylor battle, the Taylor battle led team, uh, in 2011, that got to the, got to March madness, uh, was, was really good. Uh, they lost right in the first round. Um, so, and I think they weren't, not as many people knew about Taylor battle and about Penn state people knew about Penn state certainly last year and, I think really since 2018 when they kind of, you know, went on their little run to win the NIT and Lamar was at the, was at the forefront of it. He, uh, he was the heart and soul of that team. And uh, it was great. It was great to watch. And let's just say that Penn state does finish the season because John, as we both know, <clears throat> a number of players, and I think we can call this the Dante DiVincenzo rule because a number of players shine in those March games on big stages, everyone's got all their money on who's winning this. We've all got our brackets, every single player. It's funny. Like we watch these guys at mid majors. I think middle Tennessee had a guy drop 36 when they were a 14 seed and won a few years ago. You know, you had 15 seed FGCU, you had a 16 seed UMBC. Like these guys, people don't realize that even these lower teams work so hard to get 
to this tournament, yeah. even though there's 68 teams, it's 68 out of almost what four, four sixty, four seventy. I get up. It's a lot of work to get in. And in most of these conferences, there's only one bid. You don't win it. You don't win there. You're out. So they put in all that work. These guys are good all season, but we just never see them until March because a lot of these schools might just stream locally, right? They don't have major network deals. And if they do some of them, cause a lot of, a lot of us are on Eastern time. And so for those of us that are, you know, these, they're on at 10 or 11 at night in some places. So you're never really getting to watch. Then all of a sudden it's prime time and they're shining. DiVincenzo was, I thought, a relative unknown, at least to me. He, show, he shows out in the biggest games of, well, in a long time for, uh, yeah. for Nova. And then he I becomes a – yeah, he was a lottery pick. I mean, now he's proving that it's no fluke. He struggled his first couple of years. But, John, I don't think it's far-fetched to say Lamar gets drafted if he actually gets to showcase his talents, even if it would have been a first-round exit in March Madness. I think he def. I think he would have. Um, he was. Uh, I mean, his accolades in college were, you know, were great. You know, first team All Big Ten two years in a row. You know, guys like that typically get drafted into the NBA, even if it's the second round. Um, you know, just some of his his stats from uh, from college, um, from from his senior year specifically. Well, actually, so he actually uh, after in after his junior year in. 2019 where he was named uh all big 10 uh first team he did declare for the 2019 nba draft but then decided to return to penn state i think he i think there was a chance he would have been drafted in the second round back in 2019 and um towards the end of his his last few games um so february 8th so it really in the last few weeks of his college career he put up a career high 33 against, you know, Minnesota, a good team. Uh, and I really think if he had played in that big 10 tournament and then in, um, in March madness, he definitely would have had, you know, at least one, maybe two showcase games offensively and defensively, you know, where, where scouts would see tools that can project to the next level. So I personally think he would have been a mid high to mid second round pick honestly like he was that good yeah i mean not too many guys are gonna score 2200 plus points in college and not be good enough to get drafted and, and i know that at all levels of basketball you're just gonna have these kids that come in they're incredibly hard workers and they just score at these ridiculous clips and it's not even like they're scoring 25 26 a game normally i would say the guys scoring in the mid to late 20s are NBA ready well before their senior year. So they probably go back for the degree later in life when they're not playing basketball anymore. And, you know, they get, they get their, their opportunity to make bank. And I respect that. But what Lamar Stevens did in four years, career averages, this is across 135 games. He was a 44% shooter, 74% free throw shooter, 16 points, six rebounds, two assists, basically a block, basically a steal. John, when you watched Lamar Stevens last season, did you think that he was definitively going to be in the NBA this year? And if you didn't, why not? If you did, what stood out the most? Like we've talked a lot about is what he does well, but what to you stood out the most about Lamar Stevens that made you think yes or no to him being drafted or select or signing? Even I with did. The team? Yeah. I thought he would get, um, I did think he would be, he would make the NBA. Um, what stood out to me really was his overall athleticism. Like, uh, he's, you know, he's six, six, two thirty, 
Um, so he's, you know, he's not quite, you know, he's kind of, a tw- I guess, a tweener in that, in that, like, he's not quite, you know, like a, you know, a guard, but he's not, you know, tall enough to be uh, like a, a real power forward or center, yeah. certainly in the NBA. But um, his athleticism on both sides definitely stood out to me. You know, he, his hustle, you know, make, you know, his defense, certainly uh, his, his, his jump shot. Uh, yeah, jump shot's nice. I do. It's, it's a work in progress now, but I, I can't imagine how solid it was in college. And just his overall leadership, you know, like, like I said, he was, he was the leader of that team all year and they had, and, you know, and Penn state had their best season, arguably in program history. And so just, you know, you could see the impact that he, he could make on a team in the NBA. I, I would say, you know, me in a kind of different way uh, to another, you know, to another guy who was great in college, but then didn't necessarily have like a, a spot in the NBA uh, would be Ryan Archie Diacono. Yeah. Uh, and he was Archie, you know, Archie was undrafted uh, and really worked his way through the, the G league. So now be uh, he's, you know, he's on the bulls and you can, you know, just, if you watch, you know, bulls games, you could see the impact he makes even w- without the ball in his hands. He's, you know, his hustle his you know, his determination to, uh, to always make an impact on on the game, whether it's through his defense, through his unselfishness. And I saw some of that in, uh, in Lamar. And I thought, you know, any NBA team could use a guy like that. And it's crazy to think that I'm going to name three guys here. TJ McConnell, one, Archie Diacono, two, Archie, obviously, if you don't, if you didn't know Archie Diacono, anyone listening assisted the Chris Jenkins three to give Uh Villanova the championship and that crazy, game with unc but obviously and joining those two guards uh, surprisingly undrafted matthew delavadova who that's plenty of moments we love him in cleveland obviously lamar is wearing his number eight i think if you're if you're an undrafted player with the Cavs, you're basically just going to wear number eight because you're going to get your first number eight with delavadova you know he started out with nine and they're teammates now so go figure you're just going to wear number eight lamar has been real fun to watch we're going to talk about his nba moments in just a second just want to to anyone wondering exactly what happened to Tony Carr, who had a great career at Penn State, here's what happened. So after being drafted by the Pelicans with the 51st pick in 2018, as most of you know, second-round picks go through summer league usually without a contract, especially the later-round picks, the teams picking in probably the last 15. There will be NBA players out of there, but not all of them will make it. So Tony does that, and nothing really happens. He never signed the contract. Nothing really happened. On December 1st of this past uh, offseason, he signed an Exhibit 10 contract, which means he gets a little money. Basically, they say, hey, you can go through preseason with us. You'll probably end up in the G League, which is what happened. He got waived by the team on December 19th. The pick that was Tony Carr was traded four times. So let's get this. This is fun. John, let's let's, let's go through a little (laughs) merry-go-round with this pick, okay? So the pick started out with the Pelicans only a couple of years after they had changed their name from the Hornets. It was traded by the Pelicans to the Heat for Jarnell Stokes and $700,000, the 2016 deadline. And then later that summer, the, the Heat brought in Luke Babbitt, if people might remember. He played a lot of minutes in the 2016-17 season on that weird-looking Heat team. He was a starter for a while. 
That was the team that went from 10 and 31 to 41 and 41. And then going back to New Orleans, again, New Orleans had the pick that they traded right back, actually. And of course, it's with the Heat. They just traded the pick back and forth because why not? And then, John, let's fast forward September 1st, 2017. The Pelicans and the Bulls make a deal. The Pelicans send that pick over to Chicago, so they got it back. Now they're sending it away again. Second-round picks usually don't amount to much, so it's funny the same pick was traded four times. Quincy right. Pondexter goes to the Bulls with him, and they bring back a guy named Ater Medjok. Safe to say that as great as he's probably doing in life, you will probably not see him in an NBA uniform. And then in February at this deadline, this was a fun trade. Remember Nicole Mirotic, John, great basketball player, getting a lot of money in Barcelona right now. Actually, might be Madrid. That's, I got to study my Euro League better. But the Bulls, this is a big trade. The Bulls trade this pick, the, the Tony Carr pick, and Nicole Mirotic to the Pelicans again. So the Pelicans have traded it twice, gotten it back twice for Tony Allen, Omer Rashik, Jameer Nelson, the 2018 first round pick. So another pick. And then finally, they made the pick. So Tony Carr was traded four times. We're not going to side, get sidetracked about talking about Lamar Stevens, but John, the same pick was traded four times by the Pelicans, and yet somehow it was just meant to be that he would still be drafted by the team, even though he hasn't played for them after all that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and hopefully he makes, hopefully he makes the, the NBA. Um, he's in the G League right now. I, I believe the uh, Erie uh, Bay Bayhawks. Yep. Um, and I mean, he was, he was great uh, in their, in Penn state's 2018 in NIT year. He was him and Lamar were the, were the catalysts on, on offense. He uh, Carr had a, uh, I don't know if you, if you saw it in college, he had a very high arcing shot. Like it, it was like, it was noticeably like, he'd shoot it like as high as, as high as you can, especially on like three point shots. It was interesting. Right. I like that. Honestly, I'm, I've always been a fan of the high arcing jump shot is John, John, by the way, folks, I would assume none of you have seen John Stewart play basketball. If you haven't, I highly recommend you do. I don't have any footage to show you, <laughs> but he has got a gorgeous jump shot. It's a line drive shot. He can fade away with it. Can shoot it off one leg he can shoot it off two he can kind of he moves around screens well i don't like covering him <laughs> he doesn't miss but my shot you've all seen my videos uh very high arcing as john you probably know my shot usually touches the moon before it, it goes in or air balls yes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I definitely need to watch some tony Carr footage but bringing it back to lamar stevens so he scored 2,207 points at second in Penn State history. You know, he's number 19 in assists, which is very telling for a, for a four-man, 262. He was fourth in rebounds. was never a dominant rebounder, but when you needed a guy to grab the rebounds at the end of games, that's your guy. And it just stinks. He never really got to play in March Madness. But let's fast forward to the NBA. And Lamar Stevens went undrafted. I was excited on draft night, honestly, when – it was November 19th, the very day after the draft, when the Cavs announced they were signing Lamar Stevens. And every year, there's always these undrafted guys, and they just always come in and make an instant impact. And, guys, everybody here knows that the Cavs have had a brutal season. It started out 3-0. It started out great, which, as I've mentioned before, 
this reminds me of the Sixers uh, with rookie Michael Carter Williams. They were supposed to tank, 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 just lose every game. I believe the following year they took Jaleel Okafor number two. They were three and zero as well. So I don't think the Cavs are that bad, and they have better players than they did. But the fact that they started so well and then have just lost, 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 it's been bad. But talking about Lamar Stevens, didn't play the first two games. They blew out Philly in game three, so he got in, had two points, two boards, two assists. By the time the Orlando game rolled around, everyone on the Cavs was getting injured. They were very shorthanded. I think they had eight or nine guys. That's you seven in one game. Lamar was one of them. Scored double figures for the first time. Had his, had a three-steal game. Had some good games on the boards. Uh, in that game against Orlando, his first real minutes, he made the first three of his career. He just made the second one against the Clippers. John, you talk about Lamar Stevens and his interesting frame, right? He was listed at 6'8 at Penn State, but we know that he's 6'6. They, they measured in sneakers then. Yep. Still figuring out his, his jump shot. I think he's still trying to find his, his, his way, but he has played – 16-plus minutes in four straight games, and the continued absence of Nance and Love, well, Kevin Love's almost back, should mean a slight dip in his minutes. But what do you kind of see? Like, what should Lamar Stevens focus on as being his NBA niche? Because we all know he's not going to score yeah. uh, 20 a game. That's just not what he's meant to do no, in this league. No. Um, honestly, uh, for, you know, for any, any real NBA fans out there uh, who know who Bruce Brown is, uh, I think that would be a guy that Lamar could absolutely emulate. Um, uh, Bruce Brown, for those who don't know, is kind of a defensive specialist for the Nets. He's been playing more minutes recently due to their, you know, recent trade where they gave away half the roster. Um, <laughs> but... We appreciate it in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got Garrett Allen, who, yeah. who was the toughest to lose. But Bruce Brown is an absolute beast on the defensive end. He's just, his hands are always moving. He moves laterally great. He can even block some shots. He's just – he gives so much effort on the defensive end. And on offense, he um, never has the ball in his hands, but he's always moving. He cuts really well. Uh, Harden always draws double teams, and Bruce Brown usually gets easy open looks uh, at the right at the rim. And he, uh, he rebounds the ball well offensively and defensively. And that, to me, could be exactly who Lamar Stevens could be in the, MLA, in the NBA. That is who I think um, – Lamar should emulate Bruce Brown. Yeah, I, I'm a big Bruce Brown guy. I was shocked. Among the many weird trades over the summer, the Nets trading John on Musa, who's no longer in the league, for Bruce Brown. A steal. Yeah, that is a steal. There were a lot of weird trades made in the offseason that really didn't get a lot of attention because Bruce Brown wasn't in the rotation open the year. It didn't become a thing right away. I love Bruce Brown. Uh, the Nets, uh, we're not talking, go into detail about this, but everyone else saw the Nets picked up former Cav, Iman Shumpert. He's bounced around the league since his time in Cleveland. And, of course, Andre Robertson, who I'm happy to see, he's not out of the league just yet. After missing almost three full years, he returned in the bubble, which was just an incredible journey for yeah. a guy that went from being a starter on a team that was one win from the finals to almost not being able to walk. So, but yeah, Bruce Brown would be a guy I'd love to see Lamar be. Although I think it's it's funny, John, because Draymond Green is six six, and here he is playing the four and the five. Right? You know, we can look at a couple other guys. I think Juan Toscano's not that tall on Golden State with the Cavs just played. He's six five. 
Isaac Okoro is only an inch shorter than Lamar Stevens, but he's listed as a two slash three, while six six Lamar is a four. Six six Draymond is a five. I mean, we can look at other Montrez Harrell is six foot six, same height as Lamar, playing center. I mean, it's funny. You got Lon, Lonzo Ball, 6'8", playing point guard. It's just funny how these position designations work. But how important will it be for Omar to develop a three-point shot, you think, for him to be an impact guy, at, like, to find his way into 20 minutes a night when this team is at full strength, potentially? I think it's something that he could do and should do. Uh, of course, the NBA is just is literally a three-point shooting league now, and – if you, you know, there's, if you can't shoot the three with, with, you know, with few exceptions, you're not going to make it in the league, you know, unless you're, you know, unless you're a big man who's, you know, great defensively or, you know, is great, you know, in the post and in the mid range. Um, I think Lamar, you know, definitely has it in him to develop a, a really good three point shot. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, guys, we've seen guys like <laughs> Brooke Lopez, who literally, when he was on the Nets, never shot a three. Yep. So on the Bucks, being a, a pretty good three-point shooter. So it can certainly be done. Yeah, he is. And now he shoots probably 60 or 70% threes. He's probably the one example, other than maybe a Channing Fry, who by the time he got to Cleveland was just known for his shooting ability. He's one of the best stretch bigs in the game when he really hit his peak. He got to the Sun, Steve Nash told him, start shooting threes, man. And then I think he made 150 in his first year. I also saw some cool uh, Channing Fry trivia. The, the, the Knicks, whenever, obviously most of you know, I, we do the, I do across the Cavs here, but I've not, I'm not a Cleveland resident, so I'm in Jersey. So I get yes, network and MSG. And one of the Knicks gamely trivia questions, Channing Fry was the answer. I think it was most points per game as a rookie off the bench, I think it was probably in, in response to the play of Emmanuel Quickly. I think it was about 12 a game. My Channing Fry memory, earliest one, is not to lose track about Lamar Stevens. We're going to continue on in a second. I remember playing a lot of NBA Live 06, and uh, every time I had someone over, I'd, I'd, it was on my computer, not a uh, gaming console. I basically pull it up. I'd play. They'd be like, oh, this is interesting. I'd ignore them and just get back into a Channing Fry. <laughs> So <laughs> 2006 was a very simple time. It was also a time when we had LeBron on every single team. And then it's just put LeBron at point guard and watch him dominate and just forget the rest of the positions. Cause he's got speed and strength that no one has, but John overall, before we start to talk about uh, the book and the clothes, anything you want to add about Lamar Stevens, we haven't said that you think people should know about what they have in Lamar as Cavs fans. Uh, you have a guy who's going to give you 100% night in, night out. He did that at Penn State. He's going to do it in the NBA. Um, he's a guy who's a uh, great, great hustle, uh, has great ability really on both ends of the court, um, can really score if given the opportunity to, if given, you know, given, if given shots, if given the ball in his hands. And honestly, you have a winner. And to me, a winning player is – not just kind of a, oh, well, this circumstance, this circumstance. No, you're a winning player. You're a winning player. Lamar led Penn State to their best season in program history. That really means something. So you have a winning guy who's going to give you everything he's got every game. That's who Lamar Stevens is. Yeah, I appreciate that. Now, I'm very excited for what the future looks like with 
Lamar on this roster. Hopefully it goes past this season. He's won a lot of Cavs fans over. So everybody, just before I talk about the book, just for reference, I want to give you Penn State's records for, I'm just going to run down win totals going, starting with 0102 up until 2021. Keep in mind, Lamar came in in 16-17. Seven wins, seven wins, nine wins, seven wins, 15 wins, 11 wins, 15 wins. Oh, bad. Yeah, bad. 27 wins. Shout out Taylor Battle. And then yeah. 11 wins, 19 wins. It, uh, lost in the second round of the tournament that year. And then 12 wins, 10, 16, 18, 16. Lamar comes in 15 and 18, 6 and 12 in conference. 26 and 13, 9 and 9 in conference. NIT champs is what mattered there. 14 and 18, it was just a tough year. 18, 19, then they were 21 and 10. I mean, he was great. Guy was a winner. You know, the team has a new coach now in Jim Ferry as the Pat Chambers era is over. We're not here to talk about Pat Chambers, but Lamar did some great work there. And it's really unfortunate that he didn't get drafted. But at the end of the day, there is no chance. The Cavs didn't have another pick. I don't remember. I don't think they made any draft night deals. I think we drafted a Coro and then got Lamar as an undrafted guy. So I'm very happy with that. He's been great. And we talked about Lamar, the player, about Lamar, the individual. So uh, shout out to Matt Lingerman. I believe he is now a senior at Penn State. If you search Matt Lingerman, L-I-N-G-E-R-M-A-N on Twitter, you can find his profile. Lamar Stevens uh, is listed as the author of the children's book, Lamar's Climb, A Journey to Happy Valley. This book teaches geography based on his experience and involves people with special needs in the creative process. This was distributed at Penn State Games. And so the athletic director of Penn State, Dan Mullen, uh, he wanted to teach geography using a player from, from one of the sports teams at the school because he thought it would be cool to take a player on a very good team at this time. And they had a ton of fans going to the games at this point, And they want to kind of involve geography. You know, there's going to be a lot of young fans there. And it's because his daughter had brought home a book. Again, Matt Lingerman did a great job with this piece. His daughter brought a book called on geography. It was all about, you know, teaching as far as that goes so and they wanted to do this about pennsylvania lamar stevens came from philly so this is a quote from lamar when dan presented the idea to me it was honestly an honor for someone to want to have my name on something like this i took great pride in it and it took a long time to put this together it was a five-month process to write the 16 pages of the book and then there was the idea of involving people with special needs in the process six individuals provided the coloring on the illustrations all these individuals with special needs are actually somehow connected with Penn State Athletics, including Sammy Ergo, daughter of assistant coach Keith Ergo. You have Haley Smith, daughter of the head assistant, head football and cornerbacks coach Terry Smith. They all built relationships with Lamar, you know, through his uh, experience with Special Olympics and the Center Region Down Syndrome Society's annual buddy walk. So it's first off, it's great to see Lamar involved in the community. Lamar also says he was, I've been around these kids since my freshman year and developed a great relationship with them. That book's just a small dosage of how awesome they are when you spend so much time around them. You really get to see how awesome these guys are, how much light they shed. And it's just fitting, you know, as we wrap this up, the book actually coincided, the release did, with the Everyone is Awesome Day at Penn State, which is all about helping those with special needs. You know, this was distributed during and after the Minnesota game, you know, 500 kids received the Lamar shirt. He signed autographs after the game. John, I just think it's really cool. They put this all together mm -hmm. and that, 
Lamar was able to be a part of something special. And shout out to Dan Mullen, who it, it's funny, you know, you have kids, your daughter brings home a book, all of a sudden you're inspired to do something great. Uh, yes, uh, I agree with, agree with everything you said. Uh, and yeah, it goes, it goes to show that Lamar is really, really a good guy, uh, really you know, a good guy at heart, which, uh, you know, totally, you know, totally is in line with how, how he shows himself, you know, on the court. Uh, it makes sense. And it's, it's nice, definitely a nice, nice thing, nice thing to see. Yeah, this is really cool. And again, Matt Langerman, great job with that article. I'm excited to watch Lamar Stevens. What I don't like yet, John, is that if you go to his basketball reference page, he doesn't have a nickname yet. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, that'd, that'd be tough to come up with one, honestly. Uh, yeah. You have one in mind? No. See, I, I hate – and I set myself up to be put on the spot by mentioning that, so that's on me. But, no, <laughs> I, there's got to be something. I don't know. There's going to be – Something in his game. I don't know. You could call him a super cutter. That's terrible. No, because because he, he's a great off. Was great at moving without the ball. You know, you could call him mid range Mike, even though his name's not Mike because he has a really nice <laughs> touch from fifteen feet. <laughs> you know, you could just call him Lightning Lamar if he figures out how to be fast. I don't know. It's it's hard. Maybe something related to Philly. Yeah, it's, yeah. Maybe I think Philly cheese hometown roots. Yeah, I think I think Philly cheesesteak is already taken, even though I don't know if he likes cheesesteaks or not. I think someone already has that nickname. I don't know. I, you know what we should do? I, when the Cavs play the Raptors for the first time, I think it's in the first half. It might be the second half of the season. I want to see him and Kyle Lowry getting together, talking about Philly, and I want to hear the media ask, so uh, how, what do you think about Lamar Stevens tonight when he dropped 20 in the Cavs? Went, oh, you know, I was mad about it, but he's from Philly, so it's cool. Also, uh, Kyle – I'm just going to have to sneak into the media session. What is a good nickname for Lamar Stevens? Because we don't have yeah, one yet. Like Kyle Lowry, think of one. Philly's finest, honestly. So, I mean, that's perfect. So, you know, but he'll get one. Lamar Stevens is going to be a very good basketball player. You don't even need to look at the numbers, but the fact that he scored 10 twice, he's undersized. I mean, the Cavs have lost – Seven of their last eight games by at least 17 points, four of them by 20, two of them by 30. It's not been fun. The one game they were close in, they chose not to give Lamar any minutes. There's no – that is not – that is just a coincidence. If he played, probably they win. Funny thing is, the last – Lamar Stevens, if we look, the last time he played in a win was against Minnesota. He was a minus 18. It's You can't look at plus minus – the stats I like about Lamar is that he's starting to figure out shot blocks. He rarely commits turnovers, not that you expect him to, because he's not going to make a ton of plays as a score in this league yet. But John Lamar Stevens, as we wrap up, I think this is the last stat I'd like to give. Lamar Stevens has played 60 minutes in the last three games. He has an overall net rating of plus seven, despite the team being outscored by 67 in these three games. He's had a positive game score in all of them, and he has zero turnovers. So I think that's, that's important. Huge. That's huge. Turn, turnovers, not, not turning the ball over, is one of the best things you can do as an NBA player. Yeah, and as long as Lamar limits turnovers, he figures out his shot. He, we're going to be talking about him on, this, on, on Across the Cavs for a long time. There's a lot to like about Lamar Stevens. 
He's going to be a standout player. When Kevin Love comes back, his role is probably going to change. You know, he was playing shooting guard even earlier in the season. If they could find a way to get him some kind of minutes at the two and the three, I think it would be great. But either way, folks, that'll do it for this show. John, it's been great having you talking about Lamar Stevens. Yep. Uh, Yep, I agree. Thanks again for having me. So for John Stewart, as always, I am Zach Weiss. This has been the latest edition of Across the Cavs. Coming back next week with the Jetty Osmond Files, Volume 1.